Amen. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 10, we're going to be looking at a topic called eternal judgment. The Bible says, For we know that if there our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven, if indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. He's talking about leaving this life, going to the next life, okay? For we who are on this tent, he's talking about your body, grown, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but we want to be further clothed that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So what he's telling us, and we, we use this mess, uh, scripture quite a bit whenever there's a funeral, that when you die, you're not just going to go into a soul sleep. To be absent from the body is to immediately to be present with the Lord. Therefore, Paul says, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him, for we must all. Now, he's talking to the church, but he's not just talking to the church. He doesn't say all church. He said we, all of us, must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the good things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, in this particular passage, he is talking to the church. He is saying we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, all of you all may be going, well, wait a minute. I'm a Christian. Why would I have to appear before the judgment seat of Christ? Good question. I anticipated that you would ask that question. But that's why I'm preaching this this morning. So kind of a little bit of background. In the book of Proverbs, Solomon, in his wisdom, seeks to bring out the importance of knowing the consequences of an action before taking that said action. In other words, know the end from the beginning. If I get on this toll road, where am I going to end up? Don't just get on a toll road saying, hey, toll road, I'll get there faster. Well, you may get somewhere faster where you don't want to go. Correct? So you need to know the end from the beginning. That includes, and we're talking specifically about behavior that is wicked, immoral, unwise, and the like, but it also includes behavior that is upright, moral, and righteousness. Just one particular example, it says in Proverbs 23, 31 through 32. Now, how many of you know that in today's culture and society, and I'm not talking about just culture, I'm talking about Christian culture, that it's become um, fashionable to drink. All right? So, one of the things that Solomon says, though, in Proverbs 23, 31 through 32, do not look on the wine when it is red. Obviously, he's talking about red wine. When it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. He says, oh man, that looks pretty good. I'd like to try some of that. Then he goes on, he says, at the end, at the last, it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. So in other words, you need to know the end from the beginning. That's what it means to be wise. One of the things that I told my kids when they were leaving the house or they got to an age where they had to make their own decisions, we taught them uh, that it's, it's, not, it's important uh, not to drink. It's, uh, you know, I, uh, and the way that I did it with them, I had a brother. He's, he's not with us anymore. He died when he was 40. But the reason that he died with he, when he was 40 is because he began to drink. And when he began to drink, for him, it was one, a case. 
1, 24. There was no in-between. And you might say to yourself, well, that's not my problem. How do you know? How do you know that you might not take one and you might be one of those people that you can't stop until you're 24 and then like my brother, you may end up becoming a casualty at the age of 40 or early on in life because you develop uh, uh, hepatitis, I mean, you develop cirrhosis of the liver and it ends up killing. Or you might say, well, that's not going to happen to me, but how many, how many, what if it might happen to your children or the people who are around you? Because you as a Christian, proclaim to be a Christian, say it's okay to drink, and they say, well, if he can drink, I can drink. How do you know that you might not lead them into a life of debauchery? into a life that will end up killing them. Well, I, know, I don't know about you, but you know I can do whatever I want, but Paul says all things are lawful for me, but not all things are beneficial. I don't want to have your life on my conscience. I don't want to lead you in a direction that will end up taking your life early. I want more than anything else to build you up, not to tear you down. So for me, if I have the freedom to drink, so people will say today as a Christian, I have the freedom to drink. Yes, you might have the freedom to drink, technically but if you understand who God is and understand what created what God created you to do and what your purpose is in life you will never drink if we if we come to the conclusion that I'm gonna drink because I want to drink you're free to do that but that is more a uh, reasoning from immaturity not from the heart of God but you're welcome to be immature if you'd like to all right so in the book of Proverbs 23, uh, uh, 23 through 31, he's using the example of wine or alcohol, but I want you to understand that the whole thing about Proverbs is wisdom is know what you're going to do, uh, know where it's going to end up before you begin to take that step, before you begin to enter into that action. What's going to happen? What's going to happen if I begin to smoke? And this is, not a, this is not a teaching about drinking and smoking or whatever the case may be. But the reason you have all these ads on TV about take this medication, it's good for COPD. Take this medication, it's good. Why are people struggling with all that stuff? Because they started smoking at a young age. Right? And they would probably say, if I could go back and talk to myself at a younger age, I would say don't start smoking because it's going to affect your, your uh, physical health. But, you know, uh, that's what Proverbs is about. Before you take the step, know where it's going to end up, and then you might avert a lot of pain in your life and the life of those people that you love. So anyway, when I got saved... Going back to what we're going to be talking about, eternal judgment. When I got saved, I was presented the gospel with the idea that there was going to come an end to my present life and the prospect of an eternal one where my choices of today would affect where I ended up in life. You want to be in heaven with Jesus when you die or you want to go to hell? And that made an impact on me, right? This biblical idea of reaping eternal consequences for the behaviors and the actions and how we live today does not seem to be an issue that's given much weight or importance in a culture that's consumed with the immediate. That being the case, I think it's important we go back to the Bible, ferret out what it says with regard to eternity and what it says about our eternal consequences and what they will be and how they are directly related to the choices that we make in life. In our text, Paul is talking to the Corinthian church, and he's telling them that as believers in Christ, they will stand before the judgment seat of God. This is, according to the Bible, an elementary teaching of the church. Well, I've never heard that. Well, maybe you never went to elementary school. Okay, elementary 
Sunday school. We do have Sunday school. We would encourage you to be a part of that. Hebrews 6, 1 through 2. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. So he says these are elementary principles of Christ, foundational teachings. What we, what we will also see is that the Bible also states that unbelievers, those who do not embrace Jesus as Savior and Lord, will also stand before God's judgment. So are these judgments the same for believers and unbelievers? To those of you all that are, have been in the church for a while, you probably already know the answer to that, so we're just going to give you a refresher course on that. But there are many people that are here today that you probably don't know the answer to that, and we want to tell you what the Bible says about that. What exactly does the Bible teach about eternal judgment, and how will my choices today affect what I experience when I stand before God? Because the Bible says, uh, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Well, I don't have to do that. You don't have to do it today, but there will be a day where everyone will bow before God because he is the King of kings and Lord of lords, whether we want to recognize it or not. These are the subjects we want to tackle in the remainder of the time that we have here today. So the first thing we want to look at is we want to look at what we were talking about in our text, the great white throne judgment. No, actually, this is not the one that was in our text. This is for unbelievers. The great white throne judgment, this is the judgment for unbelievers. Revelations 20, 11 through 15 says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were open, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The Bible teaches that there are actually two different judgments, one for unbelievers and one for believers. Now let's begin in this passage, in this point, with the judgment that, the, that awaits those that are unbelieving, and when we're talking about unbelieving, that do not embrace Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, right? Because the Bible teaches that there is one way to God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Well, I don't believe that. You're welcome to not believe that. I'm presenting to you what the Bible teaches, and the Bible teaches that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. So, um, according to the Bible, at the end of the age, the unsaved, those who have not gotten born again, and we'll talk about that here in a minute, will be summoned forth from their graves to stand before what is called the great white throne judgment. Verse 12 again, I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. The books were open, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. That phrase, small and great, means everyone, regardless of his or her status, who have died out of faith not believing in Jesus Christ. Alright? So, but notice that in this text there's also a book called the Book of Life. That is a book that holds the names of all those that have put their faith 
in Jesus Christ. In Luke 10 and 20, it says, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Where is your name written in heaven? If you are a believer and you're saved and you're born again, your name is written in the book of life. If a person is saved, his name is written in that book of life, what will happen to those whose names are not found in the book of life? So when you stand before God at the great white throne judgment, you're going to have books opened up, and one of the books is going to be the book of life. And if your name is not written in the book of life, what's going to happen? Verse 15, anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is the eternal destiny of every person who dies without Christ. Mark 9 and 43, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter into life main rather than having two hams to go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched. Believe it or not, you might think to yourself, why, why, why is this the case? Believe it or not, this is not what God wants for anyone. This is not God's desire. Just like, now, any of y'all like to watch these videos uh, where people stand before the judge? Right? And they make their case, and the judge has to come up with a ruling. And you, there are some pretty good judges out there. Some judges, but some judges are pretty good. They really don't want people to suffer. They don't want to, many times, hand out the judgments that are required to be handed out. But they would not be just if they didn't judge uh, for good and for bad. If they just let everybody off the hook, would they be just? No, they would not. There has to be judgment for the decisions that we make. It's the same with us as parents. We have to bring uh, as uh, reward our kids when they do well, but we also have to discipline them when they don't. And their decisions and their choices are really what open up to what they're going to be facing when they stand before the judge, mom and dad, or in most cases, mom. All right, anyway. <laughs> or uh, when we were kids, wait till your father gets home. Anyway, this is not God's desire for anyone. God's desire is that Jesus' work on the cross, that he suffered like Marty so eloquently shared with us today, where his body was broken and his blood was shed, just like we saw in the work of communion, that he went through all of that so that everyone would embrace his work, accept his work in their life, give their lives to God, and believing in him, they would be saved. Saved from what? Eternal separation from God and eternal judgment in the lake of fire. This is why Jesus went to the cross. Oh, I thought he was just doing it just to be good. No, we, we need to understand that God, John 3, 17 and 18, did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of, uh, son of God. Okay, so doesn't it say in Romans 3 and 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. What is death? Separation from God. So we're all separated from God. We are all uh, 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 condemned 
to the wages of sin, which is eternal separation from God, which is going to end up being eternal damnation in the lake of fire. You say, well, wait a minute, those aren't the same things. Well, let me give you the understanding of why separation from God ends up in eternal uh, uh, judgment in the lake of fire. So if that's true, why is there a judgment if God is good where people are sent to hell and eventually to a lake of fire for all eternity? The Bible teaches that hell on the lake of fire, eternal damnation, was not created for people. What was created for people? The Garden of Eden. This world, in its purest form, in its pristine state, uncontaminated by sin, was created for you and I. Not hell, not eternal fire. That was not created for us. It was created for the devil and his minions. Matthew 25 and 41. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you curse, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. In giving us free will, God created the Garden of Eden and God gave us our most precious possession, its free will, the power to choose. But when God put Adam and Eve in the Garden of, uh, of Eden, he put them in, in a pristine state, not drawn by sin that, that, that pulls on us who, who aren't in that condition, and they were given the freedom to choose God. And everything was weighed in their favor. In Adam... What happened with Adam, we were all in Adam. We all proceeded from him. Adam chose to follow the words, the instructions, the guidance of another. There was a serpent in that garden who was the devil in disguise. Right? When Adam chose to obey him, he chose to disobey God. The wages of sin is death. God said, the day that you eat of this fruit, you shall surely die. When Adam chose to eat, uh, and it's not that he chose to eat of the fruit, is he chose to follow the directions of another. When he chose to follow the directions of what we now know to be the devil, and Adam knew that, then he became the servant of the devil. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.16, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves to slaves as slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey? Whether it is sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. When we chose through Adam to listen to the devil's uh, 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 instructions and commands and we chose to follow them, we became his servants his slaves. Ephesians 2, 1 and 12. And he made you alive, he's talking to the church, who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So in other words, you need to understand where you came from. You were not just lost from God. You were bound. You were in captivity to an evil one. You were serving him in your life, and I'm here to tell you that in your life without God, whether you recognize it or not, you might say to yourself, I don't serve anybody, I serve myself, me, myself, and I. Well, it's actually, that's the same sin that the devil got the devil in the place where he's at. 
So you're not the architect of the new way of living. You're just doing what the devil did at the very beginning, asserting his own rights, asserting his own uh, 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 um, uh, right to sit on the throne of his life. And when he did that, he was sentenced to uh, eternal damnation. And unfortunately, when we chose to believe him, when we chose to follow him, when we chose to follow the course of our own life, because we were created in unity with God, we were created tied to God, when we chose to go our own way, we end up following the architect of that way, which is the devil, and we're going to end up in the same place, uh, eternal hell and damnation, which was never designed for us. Am I making sense to you? Because I can start over again. So like Adam, we're all found trapped as slaves to sin without Jesus in our life. In our freedom, we choose to be obedient to the devil and in following him, when I say in our freedom, in our free will, by not embracing God, we choose to continue on the path that we're on. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Many are they that follow it. Narrow is the way that leads to life. That's in Jesus Christ. And few there are that find it. Every one of us is on a path to destruction. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. So when we freely choose not to follow God, not to accept Jesus' offer of salvation in our life, the Savior Christ, we will find that our fate is bound up in the devil's fate and what God chose for him, and we too will find ourselves in hell and ultimately the lake of fire. But it wasn't God's will for your life, for God so loved the world, God so loved humanity that he gave his uh, uh, bego- uh, that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him and I'm a whoever and if you put your faith in God you're a whoever whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved if we will call upon God we will find that we will be saved and we will be transferred from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of light we will now change headships We will remove ourselves from the headship of the devil and we will put ourselves under the headship or the lordship of Christ. Just as without Christ, our fate is tied to the devil and we end up in eternal uh, uh, damnation in the lake of fire, when we give ourselves to Christ and come into Christ, like Marty said, it's no longer I that live but Christ in me and the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In Christ, I now get to spend my eternity in the fate that is uh, uh, awaiting Jesus Christ King of kings, Lord of lords, in the kingdom of God, in eternity, with God, life, life forever. My fate is tied to His. My fate is tied to His. It's not because of my obedience, it's because of His obedience. It's not because of my righteousness, it's because of His righteousness, but I have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In Christ. Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. I know I just read that, but I want to go forward. By grace you have been saved. He raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. I'm 58 years old. The older I get in this life, the less time I have in life. I don't know 
how long I'm going to have in this life. The Bible says 70, 80 years uh, is normal for, for people, but I'm, I'm, I'm believing that I might get a 90, 95. You know, I'm going to go for as many as I can. Right? But the reality, uh, the older I get, it's like, uh, you know, the less time that I have available to me, the more I want to think about what awaits me on the other side. I began to think about heaven and what is heaven like, you know, and I want to tell you something, the hardest, one of the hardest things to do as a preacher is to preach for a funeral for somebody that doesn't know Jesus. Because I'm committed to truth. I'm committed to telling people the truth. Now, over the years, I've become more compassionate. That's a dangerous thing, right? But it's a godly thing. Because in my compassion, I'm tempted to try to water down the truth, but I will not water down the truth because I'm committed to the truth. And the truth is, if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you didn't embrace Jesus Christ before you died, you will end up in hell and eventually in the lake of fire. And that was not God's will for your life. Do you think, do you think, you know, that... They may be with God. Did they embrace Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? No. The only exception to that is if a child dies and has not reached the age of accountability, there is always that hope that they're going to be with Jesus because they have not reached the age where they made that decision on their own. Are hearing what I'm saying? That's why it's important that we share the message of Jesus Christ at every opportunity to rescue as many people as we can because God doesn't want them to stand before the great white throne judgment without their names being in the Lamb's Book of Life and neither should we because no one should go to hell and the lake of fire unless they truly want to. But it's my belief that if they really knew, they would never really want to. The devil's a liar. And he's a deceiver. And we carry the truth. Right? Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And we need to understand that the message that we preach is a message of truth that people need to hear. Romans 10 and 14. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Remember, this great white throne judgment is not for believers. It's for unbelievers. As believers, we, however, now I'm talking to those of y'all that have accepted Christ. If you haven't accepted Christ, this is a good place. This is a good time. I would recommend before you leave here today that you get your life right with Christ because the bottom line is we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Now, I'm not going to sit here and twist your hands and say, you know what, you could leave here today, but the reality is you could leave here today, have an accident on the way home, not be right with God, and end up in hell, and I don't want that for you. God doesn't want that for you. So why do we keep putting things up? Well, I'll do that tomorrow. I'll do that tomorrow. I'll do that tomorrow. But I want you to know eventually there is no tomorrow. Well, I want to I enjoy life first. Why would you think... <laughs> why would you think that being in a seedy hotel... Uh, embarrassed, depressed, demonized, uh, facing all these things in your life. I'm talking about people that have addiction problems. Why would you think that's enjoying life? Why would you think having to come home and talk to your husband or your wife about having a, 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 some kind of venereal disease that you've got to explain to them because you were committing some kind of enjoyment of life that not only is going to impact you for the rest of your life, could impact your family and your children after that? 
Why would you think that waking up in the morning with your uh, 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 sink basin full of vomit because, uh, because you threw up all night long because you were drunk as a skunk and you smell like, like, like uh, sewer, why would you think that's enjoying life? Why would you think that going to the doctor and getting a diagnosis of cancer because of the habits that you practice or getting cirrhosis of the liver or getting hepatitis C because of the habits that you practice, why would you in any way think that's enjoying life? It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me at all. Well, what if I, get, what if I die and there is no God? Well, I want to tell you something. That's what they call I forgot the name of that. But if I live life knowing God, living for God, and I get to the end of my life, and I end up being wrong, I haven't missed anything. I'm still the better for it. I win, but I know that there is an end. I know I'm going to stand before God. I know there is an eternal heaven, an eternal paradise. How do I know that? Because I was lost, and God said, if I call upon Him, I shall be saved. And I want you to know... I want you to know I did not have the power to change my life, but Jesus said he would change my life, and when I called on him, he came into my life, and I am not the same person today that I was all those years ago. And if God is faithful in that, he's faithful in everything. Do you understand his word is true? So now what is the judgment seat of Christ for believers? 2 Corinthians 5 and 10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one of us may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. If your sin has been confessed, repented of, and placed under the blood of Jesus, it means God has removed it as far as the east is from the west, and he will never deal with you about that in eternity. Then why as we believers are, are we still judged? It's not the same kind of judgment. When we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, I'm talking to believers he will assess our obedience to Him after we received Him as our Savior and Lord. It will be a place of evaluation. It's a place where rewards will be given and our position of service in the kingdom will be revealed. It's vital that we know that our obedience in this present age is what determines our place of service and responsibility in the next. I, I get a kick out of people that that they all want to be supervisors because when you're a supervisor, you, don't, you, know, you can just sit in the office and not do anything and point with this finger and tell everybody what to do, right? Uh, my brothers, when they were younger, they would say, Dad, let's buy a business and we'll hire somebody to run it and we'll just enjoy the profits. <laughs> as, why is that? Because what you don't realize is that there are rewards based on service based on how you do it. You don't become a supervisor by being no good at your job. You become a supervisor because you were good at your job. And, and what they want to do then is that you're so good, they want to give you more responsibility, not less. You, don't, you, you, you see people that are in service, you know, you know, I'm talking about good supervisors, but there are bad supervisors out there, and most everybody that works under supervisor thinks they're bad supervisors. But the reality, there are good supervisors, there are good managers, there are good stewards, and they do work you'll never see so that you can do the work that you do see. You don't understand the late hours. You don't understand all the hard stuff that goes on behind it. But that's what it means. And so they're not getting rewarded for being unfaithful. They're getting rewarded for being faithful. As Christians, we get rewarded for faithfulness, for obedience, 
for doing the things that God says for us to do. When we stand before this judgment as believers, it's a place where rewards will be given and position of service in the kingdom will be revealed. It's vital that we know that our obedience in this present age, again, it's the same thing. What I do today is going to affect what I, what I receive tomorrow. I mean, that's just simple logic. Right? John Maxwell used to say, you pay now, you play later. If you play now, you're going to pay later. Well, what does that mean? That means if you put in your dues today, whether it be I go to college or whether it be I learn a trade or whether it be I, I do something, if I put in my due today, it's going to cost me today, but tomorrow I'll get to enjoy the fruits of that. If I just play with my life today and I go around, I party, I do all that kind of stuff, I never do anything to better myself, when it's okay, I found a job that pays me $10 an hour, I think I went to, uh, I went to Lake Hardware, if anybody's looking for a job, $8 an hour, I said, you're going to have a hard time finding somebody to work for $8 an hour, I know. You find a job for $8 an hour, you know, because you don't have any qualifications, that's fine when you're 18 or 16 or whatever the case may be. But when you're 45 and 50 years old and you're working for $8 an hour, you're going to tell yourself, why didn't I do what I needed to do? Why didn't I go to plumbing school? Why didn't I become a, a, a vocational? Why didn't I learn how to frame it? Why didn't I become a tech? Why didn't I go to college? Why didn't I do what I needed to do? Because I was so busy enjoying life today, I didn't think about the consequences of tomorrow. Well, if you do what you need to do today, I want you to know that there is a reward for tomorrow. Not only in this present life, but also in the life there is to come. It's vital that we know that our obedience in this present age is what determines our place of service and responsibility in the next. Paul specifically referred to this future event twice in Scripture, once in Romans 14, 10 through 12. Why do you judge your brother, or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Now, you know, we can lie to one another. We can even lie to ourselves. I've been around some good liars. I want to tell you something. I think they even believe the lie themselves. Right? But you can never lie before God. He knows everything. The Greek word here for judgment in this passage is the word bima. Can you say the word bima with me? You'll often hear people talking about a judgment if they're knowledgeable about the scriptures. They'll say the bima seat judgment. All right? So the word bima is taken from the Isthmian games. You don't have to know that, but it's, a, it's basically their athletic games like the Olympics that were carried out in the ancient city of Isthmia in Greece. These games were a biannual event in which athletes competed for a reward under the, under the careful scrutiny of judges who watched to make sure every rule of the contest was obeyed. They were particularly famous for foot racers. After the games concluded, the winners came before a platform that was called the Bema. The, the name of the platform was called Bema. This bema was the place where the judge stood to place laurel crowns on the heads of those who had competed well and according to the rules. It was not a place where losers were whipped or condemned. Thus, the bema historically was a place of evaluation and reward. The judgment seat of Christ is not a place of shame 
or embarrassment. By using the word bima, Baal was saying that we, believers in Christ, are like competitors who are running a spiritual race. I run the race that is set before you. And just as victorious athletes of the Ismian Games appeared before the Bema to receive a physical reward, one day we will be brought before Jesus Christ's Bema, the platform where he will be standing, and there Christ will evaluate us and will designate if and what kind of reward we will be given. In 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15, Paul says, According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no one foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. No other foundation. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear. Let me pause there. Gold, silver, precious stones are a kind of their kinds of materials that will survive a fire. Right? Wood, hay, and straw, those kind of materials will not survive a fire. Right? Are we good there? So what Paul is saying, if you build with gold, silver, or precious stones, or you can also build with wood, hay, or straw, depending on how you uh, 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 do life. In other words, you might be doing what's right on the outside, but your intentions could be wrong. God's going to judge your works. God's going to judge not only what you build, but how you build. And he's talking to Christians. We're not talking to non-Christians. We're talking to Christians, right? And each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will reveal, be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. In other words, we're not going to go through the fire. Our works are going to go through the fire. In the other judgment, we end up in the fire if we don't believe in Christ. In this judgment, our works go through the fire. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures gold, silver, precious stones, they're going to endure the fire, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, wood, hay, stubble, he will suffer loss. Remember the story of the three pigs? <laughs> right? One built a house made of straw. What happened when the wolf began to blow? It blew down. Another one built with what? Sticks. What happened when the wolf began to blow? It fell down. I mean, you know, what happened with the one that built with bricks? It stood the test, right? It withstood the wind. It's the same with us. How you build will determine what will happen when it goes to the fire. I didn't understand when you were talking about the scripture, but I understand the big bad wolf. <laughs> this text shows us what the day will be like for the believer. At this judgment, what we have truly done will be revealed. Not what we have done, but what we have truly done. Our works will either survive the fire or they will not. Based on that outcome, we will be rewarded. However, if our works don't survive the fire, we will still be saved because our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But I don't know about you. Someone said, well, I don't need anything. As long as I get in, I don't need anything. Well, you know that what? If you're building with wood, hay, or straw, or you're not building at all, why are you banking on the fact that you're going to get in? 
If you're not living life 100% on fire for God, why are you banking on the fact that you're going to get in? What you're doing is you're sitting on the throne. You're saying, I think I'm okay. But you're not going to stand before you. You're going to stand before God. I didn't put this in there, but I'm going to go there because a lot of people don't, they don't realize, you know, it's not, well, I, I said the sinner's prayer. Well, that's good that you said the sinner's prayer. We want you to say the sinner's prayer. But are you living for God? Are you doing his will? It says in the book of Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus, Jesus says in verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done mighty wonders in your name? In other words, look at all the works that I've done, but when he goes through the fire, right? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. In other words, you do what seems right, but your heart's not right because you don't obey me. You don't do my will. You do right things, but you don't do them in my name, and you don't submit it to me. Verse 24, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, hears and does. Well, I go to church. Well, you're hearing, but are you doing them? Hears them and does them. I will liken to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew. Uh, uh, I'm going to huff. And I'm going to puff, and I'm going to blow your house down. And it did not fall, because it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. I want to tell you something. The safest place to be is in the center of God's will living passionately for him and doing his will. What we saw today is, and what we've seen is that there are eternal consequences based on the choices that we make today about Jesus. Well, when I'm about to die, I'll decide what I want to do. My dad, he's not with us anymore. My dad was a Christian, and I think uh, uh, somebody was telling me that actually one of our family members had a dream and came to them in a dream because they were distraught about my my dad and my dad appeared uh, in a dream. It wasn't, phys I mean, it was just she had a dream where my dad said, why are, you, uh, why are you concerned about me? I'm in a better place. It's good up here. Right? So what we've seen is that my, my dad used to say, because my dad had a problem, I talk about it all the time, but he's not here to get mad at me anymore. I can't talk about my family member because they get mad. But I can talk about my dad because he can't get mad because he's in heaven. But anyway, he, uh, <clears throat> he used to say, um, I want to eat this. I said, Dad, you can't do that. If you've got diabetes, it's going to affect you. I don't care. I want to eat good. I want to I enjoy my life before I die. I understand that. And in some ways, I agree with that. I said, but Dad, you think that you're just going to be okay and then you're going to die. But what if your diabetes withers you away? What if it takes you away a little bit at a time? What if all of a sudden that, you know, I'm enjoying life, and the next thing you know, you got to have a foot cut off. you got to have a kidney removed. you got to have a... Now, are you enjoying life now? I said, well, I guess not. You know, and some people think that I'll get saved right before I die. What makes you think that you're going to have the opportunity? 
That's why it's imperative that we don't wait for tomorrow to decide what we're going to do today. We need to consider what are the options, what does God say, and I don't need to be like that guy that says, hey, I'm doing good. I got all this money. My life is going good, so I'm going to build these barns, and I'm going to, I'm going to store up a lot of material wealth. And you did not know that even this day your life was going to be called to account. We will all be judged. Unbelievers will reap the fruits of their rejection of God's offer of salvation in Christ and spend eternity in a place ultimately reserved for the devil, burning forever in a lake of fire. Believers will appear before God to determine their rewards. We're all going to stand before God one day. The question that I have for you is, where will you be? What decisions have you made? Are you living for God? Have you embraced Jesus Christ? I'm not talking about just saying a prayer. Are you living for God? If you've never embraced Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today is the day. If, you're, if you have confessed Jesus, but you're not living for Him, and we know the difference. We're not living for Him. We're kind of doing some things, but we're not doing everything. We don't know what's going to happen in the end of life, but when I stand before Him, I don't know about you, but I want Him to say, Rick, well done, good and faithful servant. I want everything that I've done to survive the fire. You say, well, I don't need any rewards in heaven. Just being in heaven is going to be good enough for me. But what if the rewards you gain are an opportunity you have to lavish them again upon Him? You're going to be denied that opportunity. Some people say that based on how you do in life, one of the, the greatest rewards we have in heaven is how near we get to be with the one that we love. I want to get as close to him as I can. And I know of those uh, 12 thrones belong to the apostles, but supposedly there's 24. If one of them's empty, I'm shooting for it. I hope one of you beat me out for it, because then I know you're living for God. But you're going to have to work hard. It's not a, it's not a, we're not based, everything that happens with us is because of Christ. But out of love, I serve him, and I do his will. And I do things, I want to, my life to be done and lived in such a way that it brings great honor and glory to my Savior and Lord. And I think He is well pleased that when we stand before Him, He has rewards to be merited out. It doesn't just please us, I believe it pleases Him. And so today, if you don't know Christ, what a great opportunity to get right with Him. If you do know Christ, but you're not living for Him, if you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you do know God, are you living life in such a way where the things that you do, the works that you do, they're going to be survived, the works of fire, the, the, the fire that they're going to be tested in. I, I don't want to just get to heaven. I want it, my works to survive. I want to do well. What a great opportunity today. Now that you know the end from the beginning, what a great opportunity today to say, I want to choose from this day forward to give my life to God, to live for God, to do life in such a way that it brings honor and glory to God, not only in this life, but in the life to come.